you know, in about a few minutes' time, there'll be people turning up to you that are interested in service. Just smile, bunch into your rows a little bit, that'll be fabulous. So, all four weekend services all together this morning. I know many of us just see one of the services that we're a part of. It's fantastic to get together. We'd love to do so more often, but you can see the pressure that it puts on space and spare a prayer for the young vineyard teams right now. It's a, it's a big day for them. But they're having a beach party up there. They're going to have a ball this morning. So lots to celebrate this morning, including our 30th birthday. So, you know, I, I think it's just extraordinary what the Lord has done in what is a relatively short amount of time. So I'm going to share something of what I sense the Lord saying to us as a church as we turn 30. Uh, then we're going to baptize some people. There's then cake and ice cream at the end. And quite seriously, if, if you can go large on paying for a cake, please do. Because it's not about the cake. It's about a young person's life that will be changed. So if you can, go large. Um, so e- each year in about April or May, the staff team go away. Um, and we spend some time praying and thinking back and, and thinking forward. And one of the things that we do is we get a bunch of post-it notes out and we simply write down things that we're thankful to the Lord for over the past year. In about five minutes, we, we fill up a board something like that. And then the wonderful Elliot takes that and turns it into something way more beautiful. And so Elliot has put together a video that tells some of the story of the past year. If your favorite thing is there, wonderful. If your favorite thing is not in the video, I'm very sorry. Take a look. Please be encouraged and please be very grateful to the Lord. Wow. The choir only wanted to punch up <laughs> So one year ago, we opened that space next door. Only a year ago. And I'm incredibly encouraged by the life that I see being released. You know, we have the space to welcome people through the week and the weekends and to watch football. Um, the drop-in cafes on the drop-in cafe on Thursdays is amazing. Uh, the gathering and the Vida services meet out there. Alfred's meeting out there. Uh, the space upstairs has enabled us to launch the source. We saw some of the pictures there. Um, just worship and ministry and fun. Um, for our young vineyard children. And I'm hearing stories of them just engaging deeply in worship and prayer. The, the stories two weeks ago, these young children praying for their team leaders for healing and seeing healing released in the adults. That's, that's beautiful stuff. Um, the storehouse toy store was built in the last year. It's an amazing space. It's one of my favorite rooms on the whole site. We're seeing people come to faith, seeing people grow in faith, so much to be thankful for, but mainly to the Lord. Mainly to the Lord. Now, as I've said, it's our 30th birthday as a church. 30 years ago, Rick and Lulu planted this church. And I found an old photo of you guys. <laughs> a lot has changed since then. <laughs> a lot has changed. Um, but Rick and Lulu, we salute you this morning. We, we honor you. We are, look where you've done.
planted this church with God-given vision and a handful of people and have laid an incredible foundation that we now stand on. We are incredibly grateful for it. Um, you know, a lot has changed. Rick and Lulu have changed. <laughs> Fashions have changed. <laughs> you know, this site has changed. I've dug out a couple of photos of this site 15 years ago. A lot has changed in a relatively short amount of time. From a lounge in, in Rick and Lulu's home down in Teddington to here and now. Through ups and downs, various meeting places, through planting churches, seeing friends go out and follow the call of Jesus on their life, to loved ones getting sick and passing away and being promoted to glory. All of those kind of things. Now, I'm not going to tell you the story of the past 30 years this morning. Uh, we do so uh, in more time on Connect. If you've never done Connect before, uh, come and join us in the autumn. What I wanted to do this morning was for you to hear from someone who's been part of this church for 29 and a half years. And uh, that person um, has been a very large part in mine and Bethan's story and in us um, growing and developing. And sadly, Alarin couldn't be here this morning. Uh, she's at an ordination for some of our dear friends who are part of this church, uh, moved and are now being ordained and uh, will go into church planting. So Alarine went there. We, we have to be here. And we're delighted to be here. Um, but we chatted to Alarine earlier in the week. So let's see what Alarine has to say. the significance of turning 30, and I've um, been praying, I've been asking a bunch of people for their thoughts. You know, when you reach 30 as a person, it's a significant milestone, isn't it? You know, some people um, celebrate it and some try to hide it. Um, it's often the time when we realize that we need to party a little bit less, uh, we may need to make some more grown-up decisions, uh, maybe get a house before the gardening genes kick in, which is your mid-30s. And when we hit 30, our thoughts may turn to the next generation and the possibility of having a family of our own. In the Bible, Joseph, in the Old Testament, the guy with the multicolored coat, he entered the service of Pharaoh at the age of 30. Saul was 30 when he became king. David was 30 when he became king. John the Baptist was about 30 when he began his public ministry. And so was Jesus. In social science, a generation is described this way. It's described as the average period generally considered to be about 30 years during which children are born and grow up, become adults, and began, begin to have children of their own. If you're around when Pete Gregg visited us back in May, Pete Gregg leads the 24-7 prayer movement globally. He prophesied over us as a church about the significance of our 30th birthday and of an emerging generation who would go to the nations. See, I sense that 30 speaks to us as a church of a new phase of maturity and of raising the next generation. 
I'm going to talk to that just briefly this morning. If you have a Bible, could you turn to Exodus chapter 17? I'm going to briefly tell the story of two men, two big characters in the Old Testament, Moses and Joshua. Moses was born in Egypt. If you remember the story, his mom hid him in a, in, a, in a basket made of reeds out on the river because the Pharaoh was killing all of the young children. And he was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, uh, taken into the royal palaces and brought up. At about the age of, well, at the age of 40, he saw one of his Hebrew brothers being beaten up by an Egyptian. So he went and killed the Egyptian. He then had to flee. He went to Midian spent the next 40 years out there. Then he encountered God in the, in the form of a burning bush. God calling to him. God sending him back to Egypt to bring freedom to the Israelites. And so that's the story with the Pharaohs and, and the plagues and the Passover and the Exodus and the crossing of the sea where the, where the sea parted, the Israelites went through and then it closed on the Egyptian army. Um, and then the giving of the Ten Commandments. That's Moses. Joshua is a young man, someone whom God would go on to work through in amazing ways. And this is just some of their story. So in Exodus chapter 17, we find this in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite armies with the sword. Question, who won the battle, Moses or Joshua? Both. I would say both. Moses was 80 plus years old. He was way too old to go out onto the battlefield way too old to fight, but he knew how to fight, and he knew how to pray. Joshua was great with a sword. In Exodus chapter 33, you'll find an account of the way that the tent of meeting was set out outside of the Israelite camp, and Moses would go there, the cloud of God's presence would descend, and Moses finds himself in the presence of God. What he does is he takes his assistant, Joshua, with him. He takes him into God's presence. He shows him the way. He leads him. And in fact, then Joshua stays longer. But you see the way that someone who was used to finding the presence of God takes this young man with him. Flick on two books to the right. You come to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. The Israelites are freed from Egypt. They're heading towards the promised land. I'm just going to read some verses from chapter 13. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. In other words, find 12 guys. The next few verses are the list of those 12 guys. Verse 8, 
from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. Who's Hoshea? Verse 16. Is it verse 16? Yes. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. So Joshua is one of the guys that is sent out. Verse 21. So they went up, these 12 men, and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Lebo Hemath. And then down to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. You might have wondered why Moses didn't go himself. He was old. Somewhere between, you know, 80, 80 to 90 years old at this point. He was far too old to put on his balaclava, go wading across rivers, climbing walls, spying out the land. But he had wisdom. And he had leadership, experience, and strategy. Joshua had young legs, had physical energy. And you see the way that they are working together, Moses and Joshua. Now, it won't escape your uh, attention that there's a World Cup running right now. I did some maths in the week. There are 32 nations, each with 23 footballers. That's 736 football players. I calculated that average age. The average age of a footballer at the World Cup is 27.9 years. They are young men. They are physically fit. They have energy and skill. The coaches provide maps. They've studied the game. They've played the game in the past. They, they understand tactics. They understand man management. They have experience. The average age of a coach at the World Cup is 56. So the generation apart. To win the World Cup, both need to do a great job. But they have very different roles. You see, if the coaches continue to play on the field, they would get slower and slower. It's called walking football. And they would get beaten. The coach's job is to raise the next generation. And the players are at their best when they are well coached. It's the players that take the field in the spotlight, and they're the ones that are supposed to make the headlines. So you think of those stories of Moses and Joshua. When Israel won that battle over the Amalekites, who do you think took the plaudits when they returned to camp that night? Joshua and the men on the field, wasn't it? When the spies came back from the promised land, bearing a bunch of grapes that it took two men to carry, who was cheered? I reckon it was Joshua and his buddies. Now, who do you think was leading the cheering? I reckon it was Moses. I reckon Moses was stood there talking to the people around him saying, that's Joshua. Look what he's done today. Didn't he play a great game today? Didn't he do fabulous work? I reckon that Moses was leading the cheering. 
You see, Moses was doing what God had called him to do. He was praying. He was hearing the voice of God. He was raising the next generation, providing space for the next generation. I reckon he was chuffed to bits when Joshua came back victorious. Now, there would come a time when Moses handed over to Joshua, but it is not yet. Even though uh, Moses is pushing 100 years off, as we as a church turn 30, it is good for us to think back. The Lord has been incredibly faithful and kind to us. And our journey to here, I believe, has been frankly amazing. But we also think forward from this foundation that the Lord has built. And I believe that the Lord is calling us and speaking to us about responding in a couple of ways. And I'm just going to share those briefly this morning. Firstly, calling us as a church to enter a new phase of maturity. We are 30. We've hopefully learned some things. We don't know everything, but we do know something. We've discovered some things about worship and the presence of God. We've discovered some things about praying and seeing the sick healed and set free. We've discovered some things about compassion and justice. We are a kingdom people who love Jesus, our King, and are committed to advancing his kingdom. That is one of the main reasons why we're running a Bible school this coming September. One year, one kingdom, one life. Studying the essentials of kingdom theology because we are a kingdom people. I'm delighted 18 people have already signed up. Come and join us. Uh, The early bird rate expires for the end of this month. It reminded me of um, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber. He would often say this and pray this, Lord, help me to grow up before I grow old. That is a really good prayer to pray. Help me to grow up before I grow old. That's a personal call for all of us to enter a new phase of maturity in our walk with Jesus. And for us as a church, I believe that we can be confident in who we are and confident in who God has called us to be. He has called us Riverside, a church planted by a river that brings life. That's the first thing. Second thing is I believe that Jesus is calling us to raise the next generation. As a church, you'll have heard us speak about this, that we are called to be different together. And in this context, what it means is the young and the not-so-young being together. All of us have a part to play, irrespective of where we find ourselves on that spectrum, anywhere between 1 and 101. But as we get older, and hopefully wiser, although that is not a given, but hopefully, as we get older and a bit wiser, what we do is supposed to change. As we grow, we are supposed to increasingly supply destiny and experience to the next generation, rather than to keep on doing what we've always done, just forever. Not feeling that we're too old, 
not believing the whisper of the enemy that it is all about those that are younger than us, but rather, hand in hand, walk with, pray with, pray for, and raise the next generation. Not handing over, it's hand in hand. We all have our part to play. I want to share this from Pete Gregg when he visited us um, a couple of months back. You know, at the end of the time, he, he spoke over us as a church, and he said this. There's a generation coming through. We'll shake our heads and weep tears of amazement at what they do. We're incubating something that will go to the nations. I would love to pray for us for that. Is that okay? And then we'll get wet. Or some of us. thankful for all that you have done this past year and the past 30 years. Lord, we're grateful for your faithfulness and your kindness to us. And Lord, thank you for your invitation for us to go on from here. Lord, for your call into a new phase of maturity in our lives and as a church. And Lord, we do want to grow up before we grow old. And so Lord, I want to ask that we would actively pursue you. That we would pursue your heart, your wisdom, and that you would grow us by the work of, of your word and the work of your spirit. Grow us up before we grow old. And Lord, we say yes to your call to raise the next generation. Lord, we long for our children and our young people to do way better than us in following Jesus. And so, Lord, we say yes to that call. We say yes to walking hand in hand with the next generation. To supplying destiny and experience where we can. I sense that some of you here that there is a specific stirring in your heart to pray for and to be involved in raising the next generation. If that is you, could you just stand where you are because I would just love to pray for you. You may be working with children, you may be working with young people, you may be working with emerging leaders, but there is something stirring in your heart to give away what God has given to you for the sake of a new generation. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If anyone's close to these guys, just reach out a hand towards them. Lord, we bless these wonderful people in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for the way that you are stirring hearts. And we pray for more. We pray for more. And Lord, in whatever ways you would have us do this, we, we make a choice to, to prefer others, to create space, to take risks, to believe in those that uh, are, are still learning, to come alongside. Lord, we, we, we see, we hear this example of Moses and, and his, his young buddy Joshua. And Lord, we ask that would you use us as you used him to raise a next generation. Lord, put people around us. 
calls us to pray. To cry out. Lord, give us the grace that we need to walk hand in hand with other people. In Jesus' name. Amen.